Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Anna Staver, and this is Ohio Politics Explained, a podcast where you give us 15 minutes and we give you all the news you need to sound smart and impress your friends when you go out this weekend. Welcome back to another episode of Ohio Politics Explained, the thank you for speaking while I'm interrupting edition. This week, we're explaining why Democrats voted for maps they didn't like, what Ohio might do to lower property taxes, the future of our abortion ban, and why the Boy Scouts of America were in the news this week. Joining me this week in studio is reporter Laura Bischoff. Yes, here we are, ready to go. But before we get into it, I want to take a quick second and ask you, as always, to consider leaving OPE a review on Apple iTunes. Reviews get more ears on the podcast, and as always, I genuinely appreciate them. You look like you want to say something, Laura. Well, I think that just before we get started, we should just congratulate Anna Staver on her new gig at WOSU Public Media as the new host of All Sides. Yeah, so I'll still be doing radio, just live radio instead of pre-recorded radio, which means no swearing and starting over. I am uh, super excited for you and for WSU listeners. I think you are the perfect pick for that job, and you're going to do a great job. Oh, thank you. And Ope is not going away, actually. We have a new host, and she'll be coming on next week to co-host with me for the final episode, which makes this what kind of episode, Laura? The penultimate episode, or as we're calling it, the penultimate. Okay, now that we're done being word nerds, our first topic is redistricting. It's over. Two years after we started the process of drawing new districts for our state house and state senate seats, we finally have a set of maps that will last until 2030. Republicans will get a 61-38 advantage in the house and a 23-10 advantage in the senate. Now, that's more than the partisan breakdown of the state based on the last 10 years of elections. And for those who have been following redistricting closely, you'll know that proportionality, or the lack thereof, was a big reason why the state Supreme Court rejected multiple multiple maps over the last couple years. So you might be asking yourself, why did the Democrats vote for a map that arguably under the last court might have been declared unconstitutional? So I think the Democrats saw this as the practical path. If they had opposed it, there's a chance that the Republicans would roll out an even less appealing map for the Democrats that would have passed anyway because the Republicans are in control of the process. And then the Dems would have had to take it to the Ohio Supreme Court, which is far less sympathetic to their arguments uh, now that uh, Maureen O'Connor is no longer the chief chief justice and, and the court is really run by a solid four-person Republican majority. Yeah, and the new Chief Justice, Sharon Kennedy, has, in previous dissents, indicated that proportionality was not an argument that was really going to sway her. Correct. And so, you know, this is why we see Maureen O'Connor now on the outside pushing for redistricting 2.0 or 
3.0, whatever it is now. I mean, some people might have seen that the vote for the maps um, this week would have been an escape from the endless loop of redistricting, but not if Maureen O'Connor has her way. She is working to change the system to be citizen-led rather than uh, par- politician-led. And after this decision came out, she said it, it could not be more clear that we need citizens, not politicians, drawing the legislative maps that put people first. And she asked, you know, how could anybody have confidence in what seven politicians, both Democrats and Republicans, on the redistricting commission have done? Yeah. Now, Senate President Matt Huffman did tell reporters that, you know, the bipartisan agreement, that it was a 7-0 decision, he saw that really as a sign that things were working correctly and that reform isn't needed. Now, on the flip side, you know, his counterpart, um, Nikki Antonio, actually said, look, I'm voting for this because this is the best thing we can get. But she's backing Maureen O'Connor's plan to make it a citizen-led commission. Yeah, and I would predict that um, the 7-0 vote um, is, you're going to hear more about that next fall if this um, O'Connor plan makes it to the ballot, because, um, you know, they'll they'll put it in ads saying, like, it was a it was unanimous decision. Yeah. And so, see, this, this process does work. And really, it's the devil is in the details. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Our second topic is about abortion. Ohio's law banning almost all abortions after six weeks gestation has been on hold since September 2022. That's when a Hamilton County judge granted an injunction. Now, that's just like a fancy name for a legal declaration that basically put the heartbeat bill on hold while the case on whether it was constitutional worked its way through the court system. So for a year, Ohioans have been able to have an abortion up to about 20 weeks. But this week, the state Supreme Court heard oral arguments on this case. But this is a big butt. They didn't hear arguments on the merits of a state right to abortion. Instead, both sides argued that the other one had no right to be there. Right. This is um, all of this could be moot, this entire case, if the voters say yes to issue one on the November ballot. But this is this has to do with the Supreme Court considering if clinics can sue on behalf of their clients and if the case is really ripe for appeal, if they're whether or not Dave Yost is allowed to appeal this now or if he has to wait for a judicial decision at a lower court level. Yeah, it was really interesting. So like the legal standing is the legal right to bring a lawsuit. And, you know, Yost's team said that abortion clinics didn't have standing and that women who wouldn't want their names associated with a case like this have been able to sue under pseudonyms like the famous Jane Roe for decades. So he he believes that it should be a patient bringing this lawsuit and not the clinics, which I thought, you know, could have big impacts for abortion cases across the country. Oh, absolutely. If issue one fails on the November ballot, this is going to become very relevant to abortion policy because it's a big deal that question of whether or not clinics can represent their um, their patients in court. The argument against Dave Yost is a little more nuanced because, you know, that does deal with an injunction isn't a final judgment, right? She didn't decide whether there was a right to abortion in Ohio's constitution. She said there was a likelihood that the plaintiffs, the abortion clinics, would prevail 
in that case and therefore issued an injunction. It's like, I think you're going to win, so I'm going to put this on hold. But it wasn't a, you have won. Yeah, this is when you put a pin in it. This is the pin. It's yes. the injunction. So I'll be really curious to see how this all comes down. I do not think it's coming down before the election. Yeah, I don't know that the justices are going to... Yeah, I, I agree. I don't, I don't see that happening before November. Our third topic is taxes. I just got my new home value this week and my property taxes are going up by about $244. That's actually not bad, but some Ohioans are getting hit a lot harder by record increases in their home values. So Ohio's complicated system of local levies, abatements, and exemptions really produces winners and losers. And that's why lawmakers from both sides of the aisle are pitching a whole bunch of ideas to change what homeowners might pay in 2024 and beyond. Yeah, there's a lot of complaints, particularly for those who are on fixed incomes, low income folks and, um, and, uh, older folks who don't have a regular income. And so there's, you know, there's like a, a, a proposal from the Democrats to limit property tax increases to 5% for homeowners who earn at or below their county's median income. Yep. There's the 70 under 70 plan, which would freeze property taxes for people older than 70 whose household income is less than 70 grand yep. annually. And also I think there's a plan to change how counties actually calculate home values. Correct. And then there's also a plan just to have a one-time appropriation from the state to pay it down temporarily so they can like do a big picture overhaul. You know, that's one of the biggest questions right now is legally, constitutionally, practically, what can they do before bills go out in January? Any bill passed now outside of that appropriation would take 90 days to go into effect, arguably be too late. There's a question about whether you can change the law retroactively. So if you want to catch it before like the bills go out, you got to pass it with an emergency clause, which requires more votes. There's just a lot of like, what can we do that will have the biggest impact most immediately? This is a topic, though, that that I think Democrats and Republicans can get behind. Oh, they agree. Yeah, they are hearing it from from folks all across Ohio. Our fourth and final topic is the Boy Scouts of America. So ever since the organization settled with former members who were sexually abused by leaders, Ohio's survivors have been asking state lawmakers to help them collect the total amount they're owed. So here's what's happening. The state's current statute of limitations on for child sex abuse in bankruptcy cases would limit their awards to a fraction of what survivors in other states receive. So I think it's like 30-ish cents on the dollar is what Ohio's survivors would get. But a bill that just passed unanimously in the Senate on Wednesday would scrap that civil statute of limitations. But the law would sunset after five years and only apply to organizations with a congressional charter, which is just it basically only applies to the Boy Scouts. It's a very, very narrowly tailored change to our civil statute of limitations. Right. Over the last couple of decades, there's been a lot of hesitancy by lawmakers to open up the window on lawsuits, look back lawsuits having to do with sexual abuse. This in particular applies to the Catholic Church and other entities. OSU and the Strauss case. Right. So, you know, there's a lot of uh, lobbying uh, power directed against opening opening up that um, that window to allow survivors to have a better chance. And you know the interesting thing about sexual abuse is that survivors often don't come forward for a long time, especially they, children, like survivors of childhood sexual abuse in particular. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just very it's very complicated, and um, they don't recognize it until until they're older. And so having a um, a longer opportunity to 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 come to terms with what happened and then to try and seek redress in the courts is the argument for doing this. 
And one more thing before you go. Congress is inching ever closer to a shutdown of the federal government. And essential workers like TSA agents will have to keep working without pay. But other government-run entities like the National Museum of the U.S. Air Force in Dayton might close next week. Right. And then, you know, other things like Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, which is the largest single-site employer in Ohio. Folks who are not mission-critical could face a furlough and those who are mission critical, it you know, they call it a shutdown, but you're still going to get your mail. And the it would you know, take weeks for the mail to actually like slow um, it could, like actual like Social Security checks not going out, that kind of stuff. Like we would be like well into like probably several weeks of a shutdown at that point. I thought you were going to say it was going to take weeks for the mail to get to my house. No, no. I just meant like eventually if it kept going, things like social security checks would be jeopardized. But I just don't think federal lawmakers will let it get that like go that long. Maybe I'm wrong. Well, it's hugely unpopular if uh, there's a massive disruption in services. Yeah. And so, I mean, they could work it out by the Sunday deadline. We don't like a lot of times it's kind of a game of chicken until the very last minute. And then there's this like last second deal and it avoids the shutdown. But, you know, like in 2018, that Air Force Museum in Dayton did close during that government shutdown. So it does happen. They do go over that cliff sometimes. Ohio Politics Explained is brought to you by the USA Today Network Ohio Bureau. You can find us on Twitter at Ohio Explained. And if you want to learn more about any of the topics we covered, check us out online at any of the newspapers in our network, like the New Philadelphia Times Reporter. That's timesreporter.com. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.